Well, thank you again for joining us for another episode of the Sunday Hour. I am your host, Pastor Joseph, and today we're going to be looking at Psalms 27. Now, we have been digging into the Psalms, the most notable Psalms of, um, of the book, and uh, the last time that we were together, we looked at Psalms 46 and how it uh, speaks to us through the refuge that God gives us and how we have to be still and trust God to work all things out for our good and to his glory. And in Psalms 27, we're going to talk about the promises of God that he's given us, um, that we can hold on to, that we can be assured that what he has uh, spoken, he will fulfill. But before we jump in, will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this opportunity to be able to come together, to be able to speak and study your word. I pray that you will bless the hearers. I pray you will bless me, that, Father, your spirit will work through me, that, Father, hearts and souls and minds will be changed for your glory and your holy name. Amen. Well, before I do begin uh, the topic that we're going to talk about today, I, I, I did want to announce to my listeners, you are the first ones that get to hear, um, I have a new book coming out on December 8th uh, called Beggars at the Door of God's Mercy. You can grab uh, the pre-order copy of the ebook version uh, now on Amazon, and then the paperback version is coming on December 8th. So I believe that if you get the book, you'll be blessed, not because I wrote it, but because it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So I did, didn't want to let you know about that. Before we look at Psalms 27, I had this devotional that it just happened today in my quiet time, and I thought that it would be um, a good thing to share because it ties into what we're going to speak about, about God fulfilling the promises that he's given us. And it's called, I Fulfill My Promises. This is Jesus speaking. It says, Beloved, I am with you. I will fulfill my word concerning you. As I have promised, my word to you in this hour is to stand strong, stronger than you're accustomed to. Understand that the storms of life prove the power of God within you. My promises are perfect and trustworthy, and you have the power to overcome, to rise up in strength and prove my word is true. Worry will get you nowhere, but smack into the jaws of the very thing you fear. I tell you, dear one, you have the power within you to experience triumph in all things. Use the authority I give you to boldly proclaim the truth of my word, my word which says you can do all things through me, my word which says I am the strength of your life, my word which says it is I who works in you both to will and to do for my good pleasure. Contend for my will in the situation facing you. Stand strong. Now, if you have your Bibles or you have the app, would you turn with me to Psalms 27? It's it's a very dear psalms to me. It's a psalms I read every single day because there are nuggets. There are promises that God has given me out of this psalms. Just 14 verses, but it is loaded with promises that are so profound that it is certainly a psalms that we can't skip over in our study of the most notable psalms in the book. I'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says if you seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. What a powerfully packed psalm, Psalms 27. Now, some think David wrote the psalm psalm after his parents had passed on. Others say that David wrote this uh, before a big battle or... Or after, you know, he had maybe during the time that he was being chased by Saul. Whatever the case is, we see the heart of David clearly displayed. It's a heart that seeks and depends upon God. It's a heart that we should run after. It's a heart that we should pattern our lives after. The very first verse, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? Who is the light and your salvation? It's the Lord. He's the one who brought light into the world. If you look in the Gospel of John, it says there that the light came into the world and men rejected the light because they prefer the darkness that covered their wicked deeds. If you read through the Gospel of John, you'll notice that the Apostle John is all about the distinction between light and darkness. That's that's probably the key um, points of, of the entire crux of his Gospel is light and darkness. Uh, obviously, it's based on defending the deity of Jesus through the miracles Jesus performed, but those are the two contrasts that the Apostle uses so distinctly. And we see it here in the Psalms. Who is your light? The light is the Lord. Who is your salvation? Not only does it mean salvation uh, sort of as, uh, as we think of, you know, in faith, you're saved, salvation comes from God. Uh, in the old olden times, salvation was also used in, to mean in an earthly realm as well. The salvation saved you from your enemies, saved you from that tragedy, saved you from that loss. So your salvation, it can mean both a, a, a spiritual context as well as an earthly context as well. And it ask this question. It is a rhetorical question, but it's, it's a question that 
I think that we should even ask ourselves today, it says, whom shall I fear? Who out there should I fear? If the Lord, the creator of the universe, is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The God who the Bible says owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and that phrase simply means that God owns everything. If he is my light, if he is my guide, my protection, my direction, my leadership, whom shall I fear? Then we see the the second part of verse 1. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, strongholds are not so prevalent today. Uh, They are more of a a relic of the past. But in times uh, in the past, a stronghold was a place that you would run to when the enemy was attacking the city or, or attacking the community. You would run and hide in the stronghold so the enemy wouldn't have readily access to get you, defeat you, kill you. You would hide out here. And in this psalm, we see that the Lord is that stronghold. He is the place that we should be running to. When when life gets out of control, when problems surmount, when our circumstances seem to be nothing but utter disaster, who do we run to? We run to the Lord. Why do we run to the Lord? He's our stronghold. He is the very one that is there, taking us by the hand, leading us, guiding us, giving us strength and direction. He's the one that's protecting us from our enemies. And if the Lord is the stronghold of my life, as David says here, my life, my entire being, of whom shall I be afraid? Who should scare me? Who should cause me to be frightened if the Lord is the stronghold I'm resting in? Then we see in verse 2, when the wicked advance against me to devour me, It is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Notice this. When the wicked advance against me, when my enemies advance against me, when financial devastation advances against me, when the sickness advances against me, when the broken relationship advances against me, when the addictions advance against me, It is those addictions, those financial difficulties, those broken relationships, that sickness that will stumble and fall. You see, it is the enemies, the foes that will stumble and fall. It won't be us because we're in the stronghold. We're in the stronghold of the Lord. It will not be us who falls. It will not be us who's defeated. It will be the enemies and the foes in our lives that will stumble and fall. Then verse 3, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though an army, though a host, though thousands of people besiege me, it says my heart will not fear. I won't be shaken. Why? you got to go back to verse 1, because I'm in the stronghold of the Lord. Then he goes on to say, Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. We see such boldness in these verses. Just the first three, we're seeing such boldness, such, such an attuned heart to the Spirit of the Lord, that there's no fear. There's a peace that, that Jesus would talk about hundreds of years later. 
in uh, John chapter 14, when he says, my peace I give unto you, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives do I give it unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Wow, such confidence. They, these are not small hurdles that David's talking about. These are not little insignificant things. And friends, what's facing you right now is not insignificant to God. Whatever it is, it is important to God. You may be facing some big mountains, maybe facing financial loss due to the pandemic. You may be facing a broken relationship. You may be facing an addiction you can't win. You may be facing a sickness that you don't seem to be able to beat. These are not small obstacles in our path, but nonetheless, we should not be afraid. We should not be fearful because the Lord is the stronghold we're hiding in. Then in verse 4, one thing, well, let, let me just stop here for a minute. Back right back up there to verse 3. It says, even then I will be confident. The psalmist is confident that God will perfect, will perform, will finish what he started. Are we confident that what God has promised, he'll fulfill what he started, he'll finish. The good work he's doing in us, he will complete it. Are we certain of that? Do we have confidence in that? The psalmist does. He says, I will remain confident. Now we jump to verse, go, or go on to verse four. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, and to seek him in his temple. David could have asked the Lord for anything. He could have asked him for a bunch of things. But you notice here that the thing that he asked the Lord was that he could dwell in the house of the Lord. We can see here clearly that David had his priority straight. David knew what to ask for, and the Lord is going to give it to him. He's going to give it to him. Like he'll give it to us when we ask in accordance with his will. It's his will that we dwell in his house. It's his will that we gaze on his beauty. It's his will that we seek him in the quiet places that he has he is destined us to be in. He has created for us to inhabit. I think one of the biggest awful tragedies of this pandemic is that it has broken the community of believers and that it's given individuals a very good excuse not to seek the Lord in his house. Now, I know that where two or three believers are gathered together in God's name, he'll be there in the midst. I understand that. But we are admonished by the Apostle Paul to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You see, when we come together, when we get in the house of the Lord, it puts our life in perspective. I don't know about you, but when I enter the church on Sunday morning, I get my whole week and, and put in perspective. I feel like that since I have prioritized God in my life by going on the first day of the week to just get in his presence that the rest of the week plays out smoothly. I don't know about you, but the times that I have 
miss church, either from a sickness and illness due to the pandemic, I felt like my week has kind of been chaotic. I felt like it's, it's, it's kind of not went very smoothly. And the problem with that is, is because when you get in the house of the Lord, when you gaze on his beauty, when you seek him, the things of this world, they lose their appeal. The things that we thought were so important don't seem that important anymore. The deadlines that we thought, oh, my goodness, how are we going to get these done? They seem manageable when you're in the presence of the Lord. It just puts everything into the right perspective, a godly perspective. And that's why I make an effort every week to get in the presence of the Lord in his house around other believers, knowing that if I honor God, he'll honor me. But more than that, more than God honoring me because I honored him, I just feel at rest when I know that he's in control, that I've placed everything in his hands and I can just rely on his goodness. Moving on to verse five, we got to hurry along here. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. This verse has meant so much to me over the years. For in the day of trouble, when calamity arises, when everything seems to be going against me, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He'll keep me safe. You see, we have to be in the house of the Lord. We have to dwell, if not physically, spiritually be there. For in the day of trouble, when we're in that dwelling, he'll keep us safe. He'll hide us in the shelter of his sacred tent. He'll set us high upon a rock. He'll set us high. Any battle that was fought the opposing sides know in that battle that if they can get to high ground, that they have a better chance of victory. Friends, that's so important in the spiritual warfare that we're fighting, that we get to the high ground so that we might win against the forces of darkness. And it says right here that he'll set us high upon the rock. He'll give us the advantage that we need to be successful in the battles that come against us. Then verse 6, then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Wow. Wow. When, we, when we're facing trouble, when we're in the day of calamity, when our back is against the wall, but we're back in verse 4, we're dwelling in, in the house of the Lord. We've asked the Lord to allow us to dwell, to gaze on his beauty, to seek him in his temple. Then that day of trouble comes in. We're safe in his dwelling. He hides us in the shelter of his sacred tent. He sets us up high upon a rock so that we can have an advantage in the battle. Then our head will be exalted above our enemies who surround us. We'll be above them. All of a sudden, they'll be below us. All of a sudden, they'll be the tail, we'll be the head. All of a sudden, they'll be the borrowers, we'll be the lenders. You see, when you get your priorities straight, when you ask the Lord to dwell in his house, to be in his presence, then when calamity comes, when, when the sickness comes, when the addiction rises up, when the relationship seems to completely split apart, when financial ruin is just right around the corner, 
when all of that happens, he'll keep you safe. He'll protect you in his dwelling because you've asked him to dwell in his house, in his presence. He'll hide you in the shelter of his sacred tent. He'll set you upon a rock. He'll give you the advantage in the battle. Then your head will be exalted above the enemies that surround you. At his sacred tent, you can sacrifice. You will sacrifice. No, no, not can, not should, not maybe. You will sacrifice with shouts of joy because your heart will be overflowed at the goodness of God. Friends, there have been times in my own life where I've wake up every <laughs> woken up every morning and I don't think about the bad things that happened to me in the past because why I'm so busy thankful for what the Lord has done. I'm so busy thankful at who he is, what he's doing, how he's moving, working in my life that I just I forget about the bad things. I'm too, I'm too caught up praising him. I'm too caught up sacrificing to him with shouts of joy. You notice here, the psalmist says, shouts. You can't be quiet when you praise the Lord. You got to let your voice be known. You've got to send forth your voice out there. You've got to send forth the strains of your vocal cords so that those around you can hear you. I believe, I certainly believe with all of my heart that battles are won through the praising of the Lord. We win battles when we praise. We lose battles when we're silent. You see, I will sing and make music to the Lord. I will sing and make music to the Lord. And then in verse 7, hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. He's asking the Lord to hear his voice. Be merciful. God show compassion and God will show compassion. It's not about God's faithfulness to us. It's about our faithfulness to him. He will hear our voice. He will be merciful and answer us. Verse 8, my heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. When we're in tune, when we are dwelling in the presence of the Lord, when we are living in his tabernacle, in that spiritual place of utter rest and tranquility in the spirit of the Lord, our hearts will speak to us and say, seek his face. And the Lord's face we will seek. And then verse 9, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Every morning I make it a point to confess my sins, to acknowledge that I'm a broken individual, to acknowledge that without his grace, without his might, without his power, I wouldn't be whereabouts I am. I wouldn't be whereabouts I am. It is only through his grace, only through his power that I am whereabouts I am. I confess that I'm sinful, that I'm a beggar at his door of mercy, asking for it afresh and anew every day. You see, we live in this carnal nature. We live in this broken vessel. We live in this fallen world. But friends, we have an advocate who rose above this earth, who came through the virgin birth, who was born, who lived like we did, who took our sin and shame, who died on a cross but rose again on the third day, ascended back to heaven, is on the right hand of God the Father, and is interceding for us. 
Friends, that should make us shout. That should give us victory that even though we fall, we sin, we mess up, we have an advocate who is speaking to the Father on our behalf. We see here that David acknowledges that God is his Savior. He is the only one. He's begging him, don't reject me or forsake me. Then in verse 10, though my father and mother forsake me, or another way could be, it could be put, though my father and mother cannot be there for me, the Lord will receive me. When family, when friends, when society can't be there for you, God will be there for you. He's not constrained by the things that constrain humans. God isn't constrained by physical. He's spiritual, and he can be there with us even when our earthly family and friends can't be there. And then in 11, teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Lord, teach me your way. Teach me to walk after you. Teach me to be in accordance with your will. Teach me to live perfectly and holy before you because I need to be in a straight path. There are oppressors out there. If we keep straight and we don't curve and we don't zigzag, they won't have an evil thing to say about us. We read that in the Bible. Keep your communications clean so that those that would try to say some evil about you, they'll be ashamed because they won't be able to find nothing. You see, when we follow God's way, our path is straight and our oppressors can't win. Number Verse 12, do not turn me over to the desire of my foals. False witnesses that rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. God, don't let them win. Don't let them overcome me. Don't let them triumph. Keep me safe in your tabernacle, in your dwelling, in your shelter. Because what they're saying is false. They're spouting malicious accusations. They only want my harm. Psalms 86 and other Psalms that we're going to be looking at in this series. I love that last verse. It says, give me a sign of your goodness, of your favor so that those who hate me, those who spout malicious accusations against me, those who bear false witness against me, lie on me, will see your favor and be ashamed. Verse 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Then we'll wrap up in verse 14. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. We see the psalmist, he says, I'm going to remain confident of this. I'm going to stay in faith. I'm going to stay in this place of rest, security, and serenity because I will see the goodness of the Lord. I don't know if you've noticed in this psalm, but you see a lot of I will. It is active that I will. It is positive. I will, not I can or maybe or I should. No, I will see the goodness of the Lord. You see, God is waiting for you to activate faith. You've got to activate faith. God can't do anything till you activate your faith and say, I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will be financially free. I will be whole and healthy. I will have a restored relationship. I will, I will get that promotion. I will get that job. You see, you've got to be positive and activate the faith that's inside of you so the Lord can work. We've talked about this uh, before, how the two times that Jesus marveled in the Gospels, and one of those was the lack of faith. He marveled that they didn't have faith. 
He marveled that they couldn't activate their faith and see God move in a powerful way. And then we get that all important command, wait for the Lord. Waiting so hard, so challenging, so against our human nature, but we can never have these 13 verses come true in our life unless we follow the 14th. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. You got to stay strong. You got to stay faithful. You got to stay in tune. You got to stay uplifted and encouraged. You got to take heart and you got to wait for the Lord. Notice two times wait. Wait for the Lord and it ends. Wait for the Lord. It's so important that waiting for the Lord is mentioned twice here. It's critical. If we get out of out of the will of the Lord. If we jump, we do our own thing. We go down our own path. We try to fix things in our own might. That will never work out. It is only through waiting on the Lord that our victory is achieved. I want to pray over you before we close out this episode. Lord, I pray for those that are in the audience that need this verse to come true in their life. There are people out there, Lord, that are broken, that they're, they're trying to run to the stronghold that you've prepared, but the devil's doing his best to keep them out of the stronghold. He wants to conquer them, defeat them, destroy them. But Father, you said that you came to destroy the very works of the devil. I pray that you will be with each individual, that, Father, you will open up the windows of heaven and pour down your blessing upon them. You'll make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. You will open up doors of opportunity. I pray you'll close the doors they're not meant to walk through. You'll open the doors they are meant to. You'll guide them on the divine path to their divine destiny. I pray, Father, a special blessing over them that you will move and work in their lives in such a profound way that they will shout with joy at the goodness of you. We pray all these things in your holy name. Amen and amen. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode. And if I don't see you here or there, I'll certainly see you in the air. God bless you and have a wonderful week.